Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, good morning, Raw Feeders. I am Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Dr. Andy is with us because it is Monday morning. We're going to start your week off great with Dr. Andy. I'm going to just nix your last name. Is that all right? Can I just say Dr. Andy? Yeah, because most people don't even know I have a last name anymore. (laughs) Right? That's cool, though. (laughs) Famous people go by their first names. That was my big plan in the world. No, not really. To be famous. Happy Monday, everybody. Yes. Yes. So you know what? I have to tell you that we've had a lot of great response coming from the folks that are using your formulation and your link to uh, how much sugar is in kibble dog food. However, Andy, Dr. Andy, there are a few people that get a little twisted about that because I just burst their bubble. They're like, there's no sugar. And I'm like, well, I beg to differ. Yes. There yes. Is. And well, and that was the whole inspiration for the article and really in finding that formula. I knew it's out there and I'd used it, you know, and getting it out there a little bit more in the world was I argued with a client about the carbohydrate level and how that's all broken down in the simple sugars in the body. And she's like, no, it's not in there. I buy a good kibble. It's not in there. And by default and by default of the process, it's in there. Like to make kibble it's in there. Uh, but what it is not is on the bag. So people don't think it's there. Right. Right. Cause they don't list it that way. They don't even say carbs. Do they? No. I, they don't no, even say no, carbs. No, there's no carb. Like our labels, there's fat, protein, carbohydrates listed, right? Right. On what is required on labels for pet food is just um, protein, ash. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. Um, Fat is on there, but the carbohydrates do not have to be listed. Isn't that weird? I thought that they were going to have to change all of that and um, get it listed. That I haven't heard, but they're not going to want to do that. And you know what I tried to No, they're not Big food is not going to want to do that. And our labeling AFCO is basically the membership is big food. And so they, they do this labeling in their best interest. Do not forget that people, those labels are designed and worded in their best interest, not yours and not your animals. Well, let me ask you a question. When you talk to your clients, those that are feeding kibble is it that they're feeding kibble because it's cheaper more convenient or they just don't have a clue that this is really substandard crap that they're giving their dogs all of the above plus (laughs) people psychology what do we all do we do what everybody does and everybody's been feeding kibble for how long So everybody does what everybody does, and it's easy. It's simple. This is what I've done with my past dogs. This is what my vet still recommends. Like, 
to break away from that and look at something different is really hard for the vast majority of people. Really, really hard to be different. Nobody wants to be different. Oh, you I should do. see the look. I do. That's geez. <laughs> I went to chiropractic school and then I went into animal chiropractic. Like, and my good friend, Ashley is always like, Oh, you're always causing trouble by being different and looking at things. Stop it. Like she literally like, like, stop it. I'm like, no, like if everyone's doing this, I'm like, okay, what's wrong with that? Like I literally is where my brain is wired and it's wired differently. And I think your brain is wired differently. I was, uh, yeah, I was reading a thing. I think I sent it to you this morning that somebody had written. They were talking about all the people that, um, and, and certainly it would be something that that I would love to do is hire all the people that stand firm when they are be calling, when they are being called quacks, kooks, um, when they are going up against the mainstream, right? Because mm-hmm. those people are going to be tough. Those are your tough people. Those are the people that can withstand um, all the scrutiny that comes in the world today. And you want that in your business. It's not easy. It's not easy taking those blows. No. And you know, chiropractic has taken a lot of blows for a lot of years. Oh my, all of the years. And we've been around over a hundred years. We're not going anywhere. Y'all can just give it up already. I was and, reading, I was reading that it's been around for longer than that, like 2700 BC. Well, yeah. I mean, you can yeah go back to hieroglyphics and all of that. Right. Right. Um, where they were saying, you know, they were adjusting and, um, Hippocrates, right. So mm-hmm, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, and, um, so it's been around a long time. When do you think that they started trying to uh, make you guys look like you were nutcases? From day one, the, the, the very first, he, I, I think people were imprisoned in the beginning. If I have to go look that up. Yeah, I believe the, the founder is D.D. Palmer. His son, B.J. Palmer, was really the one that spread chiropractic. He was like the first podcaster. He had a radio show about chiropractic back in, like, I don't know, 1920s, I think it was. Wow. And he, and he started the school, Palmer um, Chiropractic School in in Davenport, Iowa. It's still there. It's the fountainhead. Um, And so they actually had an animal clinic at that school years and years and years and years and years ago. So animals have been adjusted for probably as long as people are close to it. Um, But I think people were getting imprisoned back in the day. We've always been a pain in the conventional medicals, butts. and I'm actually so proud of my profession and how we have not folded to prescription rights. We have not folded to major medical. No one owns us. We do not get fancy dinners. We do not get reps that walk into our offices offering food and incentives to sell drugs. We are not owned. We may like some supplement lines, but those supplement lines don't have the money to own us. And, and I'm so proud of that, especially in these day, days and ages. Yeah, absolutely. Now you guys have to go to school for like four years as mm-hmm. well. I mean, just like the mm-hmm. pets, right? Just like, yeah. And you have yeah, to do- our, our medical training hour for hour matches Harvard. Um, we just get adjusting where they get pharmaceuticals. So those hours don't match, right? They learn about drugs. We learn how to adjust people. And then after that, we do not have all of the rigorous, um, 
internships and, and all of that, that medical doctors do and some vets can go and do, but yeah, it's four year. It's just as intense as any other medical school. It is a doctorate. That's right. It is a doctorate. (laughs) Come on now. So, um, the pharmaceutical industry has not infiltrated the chiropractic Mm -mm. industry. Have they tried? Have they tried? There has been talk over the years here and there about giving chiropractors pharmaceutical rights where we could write scripts, right? We can give you those pills. And as a whole, we've turned them down. Whereas your doctors of osteopathy, your DOs, they folded years ago. They're like, oh yeah, we want those prescription rights. And they've kind of just been sucked into conventional medicine now. And is a a DO, is there a a dog DO as well? Not that I'm aware of. Just a people DO. Just a people DO. Yeah. And it's a different type of adjusting. It's this gets into nit, nitpicky, but it's a long lever adjustment. Whereas our chiropractic adjustments are short lever adjustments, very um, specific adjustments. And that just depends on preference. It does seem like to me though, that vets, if you've already gone through vet school, right? That your chiropractic school seems to be very short. And it seems like you don't have to do residencies. And so, uh, have you, have you, do you know about that? Do you know what, what do you they mean? mean? Well, like, okay, for you, you had to go four years. Yes. And then, you know, you have to work with some people, at least that's what I understand. But, mm-hmm. I, but I, but it seems like to me that some vets that have come out of vet school and then they go into the chiropractor yes. world, that it's a very short, like. Very short. It's, it, it is. And I'm glad you brought that up. So the only two professions that can go into the animal chiropractic programs in this country are your DBMs, your vets and your DCs. That's it. We're the only two allowed in those programs. And we go through them together. And there's a five of them around the country, a couple at, or at least one at chiropractic schools and then others that are independent. So yes, you just spelled it out. I did four years of adjusting on people. And then I went straight into the program and I've been adjusting people and I've been practicing that those vets walk into that same program, never doing an adjustment. And then they're asked to adjust in an animal. And a lot of them are very uncomfortable. A lot of them never get comfortable with the adjustment process because it, it's a little, oh my gosh, the first cervical adjustment I did on a person in school, I cried. Like I was so horrifically nervous about it that I literally was after I did it and it went fine. The person's fine. You know, <laughs> they didn't no big deal. <laughs> I was crying. The adrenal adrenaline release was so intense. So I, I had all that in school. I help. I'm doing people. I'm doing feet and necks and back and all of that. And I walk into here and they're like, okay, let's adjust the animal this way. I already knew the, the terminology. I knew what angles they were talking about. I knew what vertebrae really looked like. You know, I had all that. The vets are sitting there going, oh my God, what did I walk into? And some embrace it. Very few embrace it and run with it. Most of them are scared, crapless with it forevermore. Um, it's just a huge learning curve, a huge hill to go up and over. Um, and their comfort level is just next to nil. Um, and yeah, it was, oh my God, it was so funny in class. You know, all the vets, literally two sides of the room, all the chiropractors on one side, vets on the other. 
and, and they're all sitting there, not touching anything. Us chiropractors are touching everything. Like we just touch everybody and everything. We're just those people, right? Like we just touch things. We use our hands on everything and we're all, you know, talking to each other and the vets are all sitting there all prim and proper and being all professional. Us chiropractors are not. Um, <laughs> and as the class goes on and we meet every month for five months, more vets come to our side because we're a hell of a lot more fun. But during the lectures, the vets are like, what if this is going on? Everyone on the chiropractic side, well, you adjust it. What is this going on? You, everyone on, on the chiropractic side, like, well, you adjust it and you see what the body can do with it. It, it, it's that comfort level with what we can support the body in taking care of that. Yeah. It's huge. They were really struggling. And I don't know how many people in my class really ran with it. I have met some great um, adjusters that are veterinarians, not many. So is it that they are so trained that you fix the body with pharmaceuticals that that's a very foreign concept to them? Absolutely. It's a, it, it's an indoctrination, right? I was indoctrined into support the body to heal itself. They were indoctrined into give this pill and it'll take care of the symptoms. Like it's an indoctrination. When you go into your doctorate program, that all those words have the same meaning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very, it's very funny. Um, you know, it's sort of like in the raw diet. So you and me and Neely and Dr. Jasek and, you know, a lot of the, the raw feeders out there that have been doing it 20 plus years, we don't freak out about stuff, mm-hmm. right? I, I never, I never worry about my dog's poop. If they throw up once, I, you know, I don't care. It's like, whatever they, you know, they, as Neely says, they need to get it out. Now, if, and, and I remember we went to Grand Lake, um, uh, to, to our, a brand new condo, right? Brand new. And, uh, as soon as we get up there, um, Lozzie has, you know, watery, super duper poop, right? I have to say she never, not one time pooped in, in there. She always let us know, but every time she went out, you know, it was like watery. I was like, what the heck did I feed too much organs? See, I go that direction. I don't say, Oh, is she sick? I'm like, you know, cause I throw everything in a bowl. I was like, did I feed her too much organs or what? And honestly, I didn't, uh, I didn't have anything with me on that particular trip. So I just let it run its course. And in three days, she was back to normal. I, I fasted her, you know, one day that was it. And she went right back to normal. And um, if you looked at it, you might say, is there blood in there or is that organs? I really didn't know, but I have, but you know, but I just didn't freak out because I'm looking at her. She's not lethargic. She's not running a fever. She's keeping water down. You know, she's other than that, she's fine. So mm-hmm. it, it's just that difference. I think experience helps you to be calm. And I think what we've seen in this industry is that you've got a lot more people coming on, right? You've got a lot more people. Yeah wanting to do the raw diet. So you've got a lot more people that are afraid. They've been indoctrinated into the bacteria. You know, it's not balanced. You know, like my, uh, I, I contacted you and Dr. Jasek and several, and Neely and a lot of other people this week because my mom, her, her 17 year old dog passed away a couple of months ago. So she said, look, I'm ready for another dog. But she sent me this uh, 
mixed breed. It was a schnauzer Yorkie. Now I don't even know. What is that? A schnorky? <laughs> it probably is a schnorky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> schnorky. What the heck? My mom trusts me enough and she's been feeding raw for a long time. She didn't freak out about, oh my gosh, when am I going to feed this puppy? Right. So she's like going to go over to my brother's house and grab, you know, one of the rolls and start feeding the puppy. Boom. That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's just not that hard, but we do have people that freak out all the time. And, um, you know, I was, I was reading in Dr. Billinghurst's book, Give Your Dog a Bone. And he, one of the things that he says is, don't be a slave to rules. Mm. Right. He said, when it yeah. comes to two, three or four meals a day, please do not be a slave to that. It's just a rough guide, and it's not vital that your puppy be fed like clockwork. People are so, oh, guidelines drive people absolutely insane. They want to know what the damn rules are and the feed at 4 p.m. and all this. And you, with raw, it can't be that way. You have got to look at your dog every day. And especially if it's a puppy, are they growing? Are they not growing? Are they sleeping a lot? Are they very active? Like you've got to get in tune with your animal. And that's what I think people are even avoiding. I don't know, but oh my gosh, they just want me to lay out the rules of raw feeding. And I'm like, um, we start here and see what happens. Right. right? Like you do in chiropractic. Yeah. We do this and see what happens. Like, see, so my indoctrination is let's try something and see what happens. And most people are like, oh. I, I need to know exactly what to do. And this is what is supposed to happen. And I think that is what screws people up. If I do A, B is supposed to happen. Uh, not always. No. What if something actually better happens or you have to do a little jog to the left and figure out a couple things? I think that's the fun of it, honestly. Yeah. And, and the, I always try to prepare them and say, listen, it's just a tweak. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's going to go on. It's just a tweak. Why? Because it's real food. Mm-hmm. And and hey. how wrong can you go with real food if it's meat, bones, organ, and fat? Maybe you're going to throw in some veggies. Maybe it's a blend with veggies. Maybe it's got mm-hmm. tripe. Maybe it's double protein. Who cares? Right there. You just overwhelmed how many people? <laughs> I know. That's why. That's why, right? Dr. Andy, I have the I'm overwhelmed button on my website because I got that from my from my customers are like, you have too many products. We just listed five things that I have no idea what to do with. Right. Right. We are the Mexican food menu of raw dog food. Right. So, you know how, when you walk into the Mexican restaurants and and it's like, how (laughs) can they possibly prepare all this stuff in the back? Right. There's so much stuff. You're just like, I just need five things I can pick. Yeah. I was just talking a client off the the edge (laughs) because She just got a puppy. They work with Dr. Jasek. They are already raw feeders, but this puppy thing has just thrown in a whole nother level. And her breeder, you don't ever feed puppies raw. You feed adults raw, but you feed kibble to puppies. Why? Uh, that's what they were asking me. And I'm like, well, this was, I just, because she's stupid. I, I, I like, <laughs> But you were nicer want... than that. And you didn't say that, I bet. I know I, I did on that one. I did. Oh, did. <laughs> I did. I actually did on that one. Because I'm like, so she's purposely feeding kibble, which is less bioavailable, heavy sugar loaded. So. Glycophates. Um, I mean, go on and on and on, right? And so she is, 
on purpose reducing their nutrition so they don't grow too fast. That is her thinking. And, and, and my client's looking at me, I'm like, like, what? I go, you've talked to Dr. Jasek. You, you have all of these people in your corner to do this. I've done it with three puppies. Like, you're going to have to pay attention. I go, but you're experimenting with food. You're not experimenting with heroin. It's okay. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Like, we're not like, okay, maybe she's extra hungry this day. Get to know your dog. Maybe she gets a little more food that day. Maybe, you know, like, it's it's okay. She's like, oh my gosh, I think I've been underfeeding her. Okay, then give her some food. It, you know, Dr. Ian Billinghurst, he's a big proponent of leaving your puppy a little bit hungry, a little bit hungry. He's like, don't grow your puppy up so fast that they're like all fat and, you know, sassy. Um, and, 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 you know, he said, uh, keep them slim, active, athletic. And he said exactly what you just said, learn to look at your pup. If you're not sure whether it's too fat or too thin, just check with somebody who might tell you the truth. <laughs> like one of us, uh, your puppy is too fat. Like my neighbor, she's a raw feeder. And I, I, for the life of me, Dr. Andy, I know when somebody's feeding more than raw. Either you're, <laughs> either you're feeding um, too much raw or you're feeding something else because there is no reason why this dog's weight's not shifting. No reason at all. It's a very active dog. And every time she comes over, she's like, what do you think? He's too fat. She said, I'm, I don't want to starve my dog. I said, clearly he is not starving. <laughs> clearly he is not starving. <laughs> clearly. What kind of dog? Is it a fluffy he, dog or a short haired dog? No, he is. He looks like a black Irish setter. Okay, well. so you can tell, right? Like, yeah, so you can tell, you know, the body, the outline's very, very nice. And then, you know, I have some people who will contact me and say, hey, my vet said my dog was, you know, too skinny and I'll look at him and I'm thinking, Hmm, looks great to me, but yeah, us, us long-term long, long, well, I can't talk. long-term raw feeders. We have skinny dogs compared to the average kibble fed dog and what people in America are used to looking at. Yeah. We're used to looking at fat people and fat dogs, man. And depending on what state you go to. Yes. And it'll vary probably, probably with the dogs as the people, right? I, so we have know, thinner dogs here in Colorado than they would in probably Iowa. I remember um, my brother making this comment. I'm not sure that raw dog food would go over well here in Oklahoma because everyone is fat. <laughs> I said, well, not everyone is fat, but, you know, that's where we're from. But he has somewhat of a point, right? But, um, <laughs> um, and then we have people that feed their dogs so much better than they feed themselves. Oh, yes. And I have people that literally will drive a beater car, will not, will get rid of their cable, whatever you call it these days. You know, I don't, I, I don't turn my TV on hardly ever. You know what I do is I find like a series that I like so I can watch it in the sauna so I can make myself stay in there 45 minutes and sweat. There you go. Right. And that's it. But, uh, you know. Like we watched 1883 in there. It's hard to sit in a sauna and I almost, you know, Rick and I will get in there together and I, I'm almost, I almost feel like I'm getting claustrophobic. It's a two seater. Yeah. But, but, but if you look at what they say about what the benefits are of the mm -hmm. saunas, 
Um, and, and I do, you know, they, the infrared ones are new. They've come out, you know, they're low on EMFs and that sort of thing, which mm-hmm. is something you always want to look at, but they talk about dementia, cancer, you know, because you're detoxing, but man, it's a train, it's a mind training to, to sit in there. If, if you don't like that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it, there's that, but then there's just sitting still. Right. It, that's a kind of doing nothing. And we are not very good at doing nothing. <laughs> Just like, which by the way, I want to ask you a question about swimming for dogs. At one time you had a mobile swim unit. Um, the water treadmill. Yep. Oh, water yeah. treadmill. So they yeah, were actually running. A treadmill. A, yeah. Yes. So would you advise folks to get into a swimming program for their dogs? And what's that benefit? I movement. Was- absolutely encourage everybody. I, when we were looking at rehoming that business, which I adored that business, it was just too much on top of what I had going on already. I really wanted to figure out how to keep the $30,000 toy just for my animals. (laughs) Like I was trying to figure out, can we stick it in the garage? Can we stick it? And it just wasn't going to work for many, many reasons, but, and we haven't done it since we, we sold um, that I would love for people it to get that involved in their animals program, especially if you have a senior dog, because like we talked about concussive forces, it eliminates the vast majority of that. The water is warm. And what was so cool working with it was the neurological benefits that these animals got because when they're, when they're out just walking and you see all the legs moving, which you cannot tell unless you have weighted plates to see how much weight is on each foot. And that back end is generally just going along for the ride. It's not really doing anything. It's moving people, but it's not really doing anything. The, the motor of the being is up front. In those treadmills, they have to purposely think about brain-wise, neurological-wise, picking up and placing every foot. Oh my God, just the changes in that and re- stimulating that neurological pathways. Amazing. Amazing. Plus the joints are moving through a range of motion. That's not as painful as a a walk with, you know, regular gravity. Love it. So if you have a place in your area to do that and you have the time because it's time consuming, you got to get in the car, get over there, do the appointment, get the animal back. And if you have multiple dogs, I mean, it gets here in the Denver Metro area, we have I think my personal opinion, no good facilities that make that easy to do. I'm very, very disappointed in the facilities we do have on how hard it is to get to the water treadmill, um, how very little they utilize it, how um, veterinarians seem just downright scared to use it with most dogs. Um, I find it fascinating. I do. But that's just my personal opinion. Maybe your your listeners have had other great experiences with facilities around here, but I hardly talk about it with people because it's so difficult and so expensive to go through their entire um, rehab process to even get to the water treadmill. You cannot just call any of our facilities up and go, hey, can I get my dog in the water treadmill? You have to go through the whole initial evaluation and PT and this and that, and then maybe you get there. Maybe some of your listeners have had other um, experiences, but I have not found them easy here to get to. 
Well, so that, that's sort of like a carrot dangling, but you can't get to the carrot. You have to do all of these other things mm-hmm. that cost money. They do. And I'm not saying an evaluation is a bad idea, but like I have healthy dogs and I know what's going on and I actually don't want them in the swimming pool because you can't tell if they're using all their legs in the swimming pool. I want to see them walking on that treadmill. But do they need a few, a full eval? Do they need all of this? Do, okay. I mean, it's not an awful, it's just not, it's just not as much ease as I think they do. That's just my opinion. And do they do that because they think the dog's going to drown or that the dog can't swim or? Well, they're not swimming. Their feet are on the ground the entire time. So the water comes up how high? Yeah, they walk in. And then they raise the water wherever you want it. You want it hawk level. You want it stifle level. Like if you've got an old debilitated dog in you um, in a vest, but you raise it to, you know, stifle level, they're going to be more floating than doing anything else. So, you know, and maybe it's only, you know, a few minutes the first time, like, but I think it's just the experience and maybe we're lacking the experience in this area. I'm not sure. I really don't know what the disconnect is. Well, it sounds like that's a market that needs to be created here because there's a need and make it different. Mm-hmm. Make it easy. All right. Get on that, Didi. Okay. I'm right <laughs> on it. I'm on it. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about a situation uh, that happened with your little torchy, little oh torchy dachshund who is adorable and in great shape. But you and I use a product and I want you to go into what happened with Torchy, kind of a scary situation and how you pulled him out of it. Yeah. So Torchy's only nine months old. Um, and so he's a young guy. He's a busy guy. And my husband happened to be out of town last week because it always when the husband's out of town, right? So, <laughs> That's right. Right. Well, thank goodness, because uh, he would have been in the doghouse because you love that Torchy. Yes. So he wasn't around, but he, my dog walker came in. They went on their usual walk. The, she put him back in his box, which is his kennel. He loves his kennel. He sleeps in his kennel. It's his, one of his favorite places, honestly. I find him in it. Um, around noon, and I came home at 5.45. So what is that, five, six hours? Like, it's a little long, but it's not out of the realm of what occurs for Torchy and my kids. I come in, and they're all, hello, hello, and I pop him out of the box. And he comes flying out of the box. And he is sopping wet. And I'm like, what is this? And so we all rush outside to go potty. And I put him down and he is having serious trouble breathing, like just catching his breath, like could hardly take a full breath. He actually, he wasn't, he was just kind of, he wasn't panting, but he was like breathing that shallow and he had his head up and all he wanted to do was lay down. He wouldn't go potty. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? We all come back upstairs. And I check out the box and his blanket and his pad, like it is sopping wet with saliva, with spit. It wasn't puke, wasn't even bile. It was all just saliva. And so I set him in the bed and I'm like, all right, Andy. Okay. You know, because now we go into panic mode, right? Every pet Mm -hmm. owner goes into, okay, I need to get to the ER. What can I do here? What do, and I'm like, all right, universe, because this is my little weird thing. I'm like, okay, universe, tell, give Remind me what I have in this house that I can use before I run off to the ER because I'm not thinking straight. And it dawns on me that I have the adored beast, your go-to homeopathic. And so I find that 
<laughs> it was of course hiding on the shelf. And it says first response support for trauma, shock, fever, disease, and inflammation. But it's that acute, that emergency. That's what this is for. And I'm like, well, this is what it got going on. And so the directions are every 30 minutes for three doses. I'm like, this is me. Screw that. He got a dose every five minutes. I needed, he was in full respiratory distress and I needed to pull him out of that or I needed to get him somewhere. And I did not want to go to the ER. I did not want to go to the ER. And I did not want to go to the ER. They don't know your animal. They are looking, I think, most of the time for zebras. And I don't even know what they would do necessarily. So I grabbed it every five minutes. Um, and it took about, I was feeding dogs. I was calmly getting ready to leave. I was changing my clothes. Like we were going to get in the car and go. Um, and he pulled out in about 40, 45 minutes and he settled. He went potty. He went poop. Poop looked good. He looked good. Um, he, and then we went, we did the rest of the evening, no flare ups. I'm like, all right. And I'm still dressed, still ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he sleeps in his bed right by my head that night. And he slept the entire night. We didn't have anything. And then we did go to our regular vet the next morning, but amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I tell everybody and, and you've got it at your place. I've got it at my <laughs> place um, that this is something that you must have at all times because you're right. Uh, here's what's in it. Arnica, which is an herb that grows mainly in Siberia and Central Europe. It's from a root to petal. So it's the entire Arnica plant and it's used in homeopathy. Arnica has the healing power. Uh, it's an anti-inflammatory compound. And so it's got Arnica and Aconite. Was it all it said? Arnica and Aconite. Okay. So Aconite is one of the oldest homeopathic remedies. Uh, it's commonly used uh, for acute conditions, as you were talking about. So like sudden onsets of fever and, you know, pain, shock, uh, anything like that. In, in a lot of the, Julianne Lee, who is the founder of this and her information, she says, look, even if your dog is going to go to the vet, you can give them a dose of this because they get all keyed up, right? Well, who else gets keyed up? The people. So they just feed off of each other. Right. Don't and everybody in there is all stressed. Well, and, and maybe you're going to have their nails trimmed or you're going to have groomer appointments, separation anxiety. Maybe you're moving. Everybody seems to be moving around the country or it's at their end of life, right? Car rides, fireworks. I mean, there's all types of things super safe to have. Yeah. Um, she even talks about at the first signs of bladder infections, okay. you can give this. Awesome. Um, yeah. So um, or the first signs of vomiting and diarrhea. So instead of reaching for something that is inappropriate, like aspirin, you know, or something like that, you want to have this on hand, your go-to, which when Lazie had her diarrhea, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have on that trip, but I have it. I have it here in my house. Everyone should have it. All right. So I want to ask you when you went to the vet, what do they say? <laughs> oh, no. Idiopathic. It wasn't like that, but they were, they were mystified too. Um, she didn't hear anything on, on exam. He looked fine. He was acting fine. He was doing a little coughing the next morning, but we did. I'm like, well, I want an x-ray. 
because <laughs> I want an x-ray. I want to see what's going on. And lo and behold, his middle right lobe um, has what they, it's a generic term. It's called infiltrate. It's, it's all cloudy white. Like there's something in there. We don't know what is, was it a reaction to what happened? Cause we don't know. Did he get a hold of a bug that, I mean, he's, he's like what, four inches off the ground. Like the, the dog walker may have missed that. He picked up something that stung him. He may have had a reaction to something. We don't know what he got into or did. Um, it's kind of weird. And even she was like, that's weird. I didn't expect to find anything on this x-ray. I'm like, well, no, he didn't. And so my vet knows me. So she's like, well, I would put him on antibiotics for that. She's like, what would you like to do? <laughs> You're like, not that. <laughs> not that. There's a time and a place for everything. I'm like, well, so what we did this week, which required more work and time, wasn't as easy as giving an antibiotic at home, was we went in and we did laser oh. on his lung. And I've been doing essential oils on that area right before the laser too. That's my own thing. And we're going back this afternoon. We're going to re-X-ray. If it's still there then, then we will do some antibiotics. All right. So in the lobe. So it's in the lung area? Yeah. So your lungs are made up of lobes. And the right side has three lobes and the left side has two. And this middle lobe. So whatever he possibly sucked down his throat and into the bronchi, um, it went down into the lungs instead of maybe down into his digestive tract, set up some kind of reaction. Is that an aspiration type thing? Yes, it would be an aspiration type thing. Now, how does that work? Because your body is supposed to guard you from sucking stuff down into your lungs. Well, we've all tried to breathe and swallow a drink of water at the same time, right? Okay. That's, that's good. Yes. Yes, we have. Yes. And some of that goes down there. Now the body, you know, you're hacking and you're choking. So maybe in the middle of his, he was panicking. He was, you know, had all this saliva that maybe he choked down some of the saliva instead of choking it all out. Um, I find it interesting that it would have set up that fast in that lobe to show up on x-ray. And this is just my theory on this. I'm like, I wonder if he had done that was maybe he had, you know, we've had some pukes around here. He's a nine month old puppy. He's puked up some sticks. Like he does these things, right? Puppies do these things. Again, the non-panicking, right? Like, huh. you know, did he aspirate some of that down at another time? I, are these two separate things? A lot of times you go into your vet and they see all, you, you tell them this whole history. Oh, it must be all one thing. Well, maybe there's two separate things going on. I don't know. Was it just a reaction or do we have a full on infection? And that's where I went. I want to see if we can allow the body some time to handle it itself. Back to that chiropractic thought process, that indoctrination. Let's give the body some time to handle this. And then if it can't or I was seeing some clinical signs. He's not coughing. He's not, he's acting just like himself. He is eating just fine. Like we have no clinical signs that this is a bot bothering him either. But if it's still there today, then we'll do a round of antibiotics, which are not innocuous people. You don't just go to the vet and every time take their antibiotics. They're not innocuous. Use them sparingly and with purpose. There's my PSA for today. Right. And there is a time and a place for everything. So 
If it was getting worse, wouldn't he start coughing though? Yeah. Don't you think? yeah. That's what I'm saying. I haven't seen any other additional clinical signs this week. So we'll, we'll see what we see on the x-ray and do our best. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I always say. A plus B doesn't always equal C. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. As much as you all would like it to, it does not. Right. Are you sure it's not the raw food that did it? <laughs> I am <laughs> I am positive it's not the raw food that day. Usually that is the, thank God you have a vet that knows you. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but you know, and I, I'm not uh-huh. an advocate of lying, but at this, in this situation, I always tell my people just lie, right? <laughs> it's funny because I told my client with the puppy, I'm like, start lying to people. Yeah. Start lying to people. I have good yeah. reason for telling you to lie. And here's why, because Many, 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 many vets, as soon as you say they're raw fed, mm-hmm. they don't look any further. They go, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it it's right there. Bingo. It's a big issue. A big issue with vets. That has to be it. It caused all of this. Lazi cut her foot, her leg, a couple of years ago now. I was like, well, crap. Dr. Jason doesn't, <laughs> doesn't stitch up dogs. Mm-hmm. So I had to take her to the ER. And the question was, what does she eat? And I said, kibble. Is she current on all her vaccines? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yes, she is. Yes, she is. And, um, you know, they, it has no bearing on her cut foot. Oh, but it does, Andy. Those two things have no bearings on the fact that you need a foot fix. Oh, it, but it does. I can't fix oh. your foot. I might get contaminated by your dog's <laughs> unvaccinated breath or teeth or poop or something. Come on. Uh, the teeth that you were just looking at because. They never like punctured your skin. Yeah, that that's what's going to do it. Just lie about the raw diet. And and I find that they'll say, oh, my gosh, this is the healthiest dog I've ever seen. What are you feeding? What is that food? I, I forgot. It's some ba- I don't know the name on the bag. It's got this it's raw, blue bag. You know, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know what it is. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so healthy. But if you say they're raw fed, oh. Mm-hmm. kidney disease, liver disease, your dog is dying. Mm-hmm. So don't say it. Well, Dr. Andy Harper is uh, now doing pet consultations and you can find her. She will help you. You can ask her all types of questions. I mean, you can talk about the body. You can talk about food. You can talk about calming down. How do I calm down oh. when there's an emergency? Because even those that have been doing it for a long time that have medical mm-hmm. degrees, everything when it's our pets, it's a different story, different story, different story. Yes. I had to work very hard at keeping my cool with my animal. And what would I tell a client? <laughs> Literally like, okay, what would I, what would I say here? Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you've been doing this kind of method for a long enough time to calm down because we don't make good decisions when we are in fear. All right, everybody, get over to Dr. Andy's website. You can work with her. It's animalmagiccare.com. Animalmagiccare.com. Get over there. If you're here in the Colorado area, special treat for you. You can go and see Dr. Andy uh, on a personal basis. But remember, she's super booked up. So don't wait too long. Animalmagiccare.com. Or you can also find her on my experts page in the Learning Center. Get over to rawdogfoodandco.com. Get your your go-to spray. Every single pet parent needs to have this on hand. Okay. Yes. Get that today. 
Go to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.